And we're back in here, Stripe Show podcast, about 3.30 on the East Coast, Wyndham Championship. EJ Tour back over here now on the East Coast after a little short stint, PPC Harding Park, PGA Championship. And as always, Friday, you know, it's happy hour. And joining me as always, Samantha Marks down there in Orlando. How you doing, Sam? I'm good. Just got myself a, a drink, ready to, uh, to get happy hour into full effect. Was this from Starbucks? Um, what is it? A double non-fat hazelnut like tiger, perhaps? It might be. Yes, I will say that I learned of Tiger's new Starbucks order yesterday. Had to get it immediately. Um, I will say, as in Florida, I'm not a big hot drink gal. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just kind of waited till it wasn't as hot, but yeah. So Tiger told everybody his Starbucks order the other day, which in case you're wondering is a grande non-fat double shot hazelnut latte. It's a lot of there words. It it's a lot of words, very extra, um, of him to have such a complicated order, but it is very good. It tastes good. Uh, and I feel energized for the rest of my day. So nice. I feel good. I feel good. Do you think they asked him what his name is to put on his cup? Well, you saw he was wearing the player access badge last week at TPC Harding Park, so maybe. <laughs> That's good. Well, I, you know, hazelnut, I cannot do hazelnut. Um, when I was in college, my freshman year, I was driving a forklift in this warehouse, moving Gatorade and got the forklift caught on this box of Tarani syrup spilt. It was hazelnut. <laughs> and I, I promise you, it burnt my nose. The smell was so strong. And every time I smell hazelnut now, I just can't do it. I cannot do it since that day. So that's my story. And the other thing is, is now that we're on that topic, the one thing that really disappoints me on the East Coast is they don't have Irish cream. On the West Coast, they do. But on the East Coast, they don't. And that's my favorite. And it really pisses me off. I would definitely agree with you there. Sweet cream is typically my go-to at Starbucks. But um, I I will say I did not know where your story was going when you started it out with the (laughs) forklift and hazelnut. I was a little lost. But, but yeah, I could understand that. I could understand that. Well, we got a lot of golf going on, um, men and women. So uh, why don't you set the stage for us as we uh, enter the weekend for our uh, topics? Oh, yes. So the PGA Tour has its last regular season event, right? That's what they call it, the Wyndham Championship. That's right. Um, in North Carolina at Sedgefield. Uh, JT Poston is defending this week. He won last year for his first tour win. Um, we've got Brooks Kepka struggling to make the cut right now on the course, about to make the turn. Um, he's three off the cut line right now. Obviously, we all know he needs to move up in the FedEx Cup rankings, so he's going to have to hustle on the back nine, which we all know he can do. Um, interesting top of the leaderboard for sure. We'll get to that later. But the LPGA is at the Scottish Open. Um, Daniel Kang is going for three straight wins, which would be pretty cool. Stacy Lewis actually played pretty good today for the first time in what feels like forever to me. I haven't seen her name at the top of the leaderboard in a while. She said she loves yeah. Lynx golf, um, for the break from coronavirus did wonders for her swing. She said, and then we'll go into the U S amateur, which is at abandoned dunes. Haven't been there. Really want to go. Um, but USGA's oldest championship, of course, the USAM big, big debate last night. 
with a caddy uh, touching the sand, which was then the loss of the match for the player. So we'll get into that as well. Where do you want to start? Well, you know, we got to start, obviously, with the, the Roger Sloan and Tom Pogge dynamic duo, both shooting eight under yesterday on Thursday. That was the big topic, right? Playing together. They both go out, shoot 62. <laughs> and people like texted, like, who are these guys? Right? Like, who's Roger Sloan? Who's Tom Hoagie? So don't mind if I do. Let me just introduce our audience, if you don't mind here, Samantha. Sure. Um, to who these guys are. Roger Sloan is a Canadian. Um, he actually grew up on a nine hole course in Calgary, which believe it or not, was not that far away from where I grew up in Northern Idaho. He's six foot two, 33 years of age. And with a college at the university of Texas, El Paso, he's got one corn Ferry tour win, which was back in 2014. He actually was 93rd in the FedEx cup last year, but he's got the double whammy. He's the old short and crooked kind of player, 155th in distance, 142nd in fairways, but he's having a good week. And by golly, he shot 62 yesterday next to Tom Hoagie. Allow me to introduce you to Mr. Hoagie. He's an American from Statesville, North Carolina, 6'1", age of 31, Texas Christian University. He's never had a win, but you know what? You know what? He's 38th in the FedEx Cup points right now. I bet Brooks Kepka would trade spots with Tom Hoagie right now. He was second at Greenbrier, <laughs> T6 American Express, fifth at the Farmers, T15 at API. And he's someone that I looked at on the matchup because he kind of does have the game for Sedgefield, stroke chain approach, 28th, and putting on fast Bermuda. Hoagie's good. Grew up in North Carolina. He knows a thing or two about fast Bermuda greens. And there he is, I believe, now tied for the lead yes. of the win of the championship and looking for his first PGA Tour win. So now you know, right? The Sloan-Hoagie dynamic duo yesterday. You know a little bit more about them as they continue to move up the leaderboard and perhaps win this weekend. Well, yeah, but let's not forget Harold Barnes III also shot eight under yesterday and in his post-round interview said that he didn't even think about shooting 59. He wasn't even, wasn't even on his mind. He actually told reporters he wished he would have thought about it. Um, so that's interesting. I don't think I've ever made eight birdies, first of all, ever. But then I also don't think I would ever make eight birdies and not think about shooting 59. So very interesting take there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> How I love you, Harold. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out how you just ignore the fact that you're a Bill. You know what I think it is? I think that they they get into that situation so many times. Mm -hmm. You know, like I'm eight under, I'm nine under. Oh yeah, I might shoot 59. You know, like they've been there. Yeah. They almost like they almost like get numb to it. Um, that's the only reason that I can think of. Because if I was pay, playing a par 70 and I was eight under, first off, I'd be I would be absolutely, you know what in the world's going on and, and probably looking for a, a CBD gummy bear or something to calm down. But I would certainly be thinking about 59, but these guys are so good. They put themselves in the situation so many times. And Roger Sloan had a funny story. Speaking of in the fifties, he had a story that he was playing his dad one time, obviously giving him strokes, shot 58 and lost money to his dad. Um, wow. <laughs> That's, that's pretty crazy. I will say on the, on the note of um, getting comfortable going low, we um, in college used to play these short courses or we'd play from the red tees or we'd go to the par three um, just to get yes. comfortable going low. 
which is something that I feel like people, you know, who are somewhere around, around scratch, maybe one or two handicaps should do more often. Very random note, but that is something that's hard to do is to get comfortable with being seven, eight, nine under. No, it is. You're, it's a good point. Something I talk about with students and, you know, it's funny, Harold Varner, it's kind of how he shows up, isn't it? Like all of a sudden Harold Varner is like nine under, like, you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Like he'll, he's like two over or nine under and he's not <laughs> afraid. He's not afraid to go low. Like Wesley Bryan, his name showed up. He's up there. Like he's not afraid to go low. Um, there, there are those guys that just, they just like get in this unconscious mode and just go JT kind of has that aura about him as well. And I was never comfortable with it. Even in my days when I was playing at my best, I would get two or three under and be like, Oh my gosh, you know, like even if I make a bogey, I'm still one under, and, you know, like it, it just, it, there's a knack to it. And I think you make good points, like playing those forward tees and getting comfortable being under and continuing to go. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's definitely a skill. I think that you got to learn how to do. Yeah. How about Harris English? You talked with the, with his coach, Justin Parsons on Wednesday. I'm, he's yeah, up there. He is. You know, I, I'm a huge Harris English fan. Huge Justin Parsons fan. You know, it's interesting, Samantha, not a lot of people know about Justin Parsons. He, he kind of is a cut from Butch Harmon and Pete Cowan, two great mentors. And, you know, we've been exchanging texts for quite some time. And I caught up with him on Wednesday up at Sedgefield and, you know, I said, Hey, Justin, I was like, Harris is playing some great golf. And I talk about mm-hmm. him all the time on the podcast, his stats. If I read his stats off to anyone in golf and I didn't tell you who I was thinking about. And then I told you that those stats were Brooks Kepka or Webb Simpson. You would believe me, right? Mm-hmm. Like you would believe me. They're that good. And I said, like, the only thing he doesn't have is a win. He's won twice. We're going to get back in the winner's circle since 2013. But I said, I think it's coming. And, um, and here he is nine unders played beautifully, had the one double today, one shot back. It was a great interview. I, I encourage people to go listen to Justin Parsons. Very, very smart guy. I, I like his approach, you know, with his players, all his guys really are playing fairly well. He works with Pat and desire, Brian Harmon and Will Gordon who's a young player making his ninth start. I believe Will's about four or three under going to make the cut on the number, but uh, yeah, go check it out. Justin Parsons, really an underrated coach, doing some nice work, and nothing would make me happier for my bank account than Harris English winning this week. <laughs> well, so I don't know if maybe you should consider a profession in maybe being a psychic. Yeah, no, 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 no. No, okay. Well, no, all you have to do is look at my lineup last week at the PGA. I was licking my wounds on Sunday, like, goodness gracious, like I've never watched golf before. Um but I got to tell you, I'm rebounding nicely this weekend with um, the matchup. Had some had some really good nuggets. I was on Taylor Gooch. There he is, 10 under, English, 9. I said, Lowry's 131st on the FedEx. Mm-hmm. He's gaining momentum. He's kind of getting his feet underneath him. Late start after COVID. There he is at 9. Uh, Kokrak's a good play at 8. Siwoo Kim's obvious. He loves this place. He's at 10. Um, Patrick Reed. So a lot of good nuggets in there. I'm sitting really good, um, Samantha, heading into the weekend. Well, good. Let's go ahead and uh, dive into Brooks Kepka. As yeah. always, he always says something. Um, good, bad, and different. This week, it was about his relationship with Dustin Johnson. Let me ask you, what did, what did you think? Did you read the article with Eamon Lynch with Golf Week? I did. And you know my thoughts on him and Bryson. I'm 
I love it when players speak out. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't see a problem with it. I am glad that he's open and willing to talk about that kind of stuff. Um, but the whole, like, I think the media makes up relationships. It's like, all right, that was a little strange to me. Um, but I do like his, his kind of unapologetic nature. I know it's kind of a, a controversial take. A lot of people don't like that about him, but golf is a very individualized sport and it doesn't have as much trash talk and stuff that we don't get to see on say the NBA, you know? Um, so I, I really liked it. What were your thoughts about it? Yeah. I mean, I, I think, you know, from a podcast perspective and things to talk about of interest, I think Brooks is great. I mean, I think he's great for the game. Um, you know, I think uh, his arrogant and, and, and cocky nature, and he's unapologetic about it, and I think that's great. He stands by it. It's not my personal cup of tea, um, but that's that's just my opinion, And, and but I enjoy watching him play. I, mm-hmm. I still find it very interesting that he really, I think, continues to not back up his thoughts on what he directed towards Dustin Johnson. He made it very personal with Dustin, mm-hmm. and I find that very interesting, especially – as the rumor has, and as I understand it, DJ really kind of took Brooks under his wing. But who knows what's happening behind closed doors? I do think he retracts a lot of the things that uh, the way it came across. And, you know, he struggled on Sunday, and he's struggling right now um, in Charlotte. So who knows? You know, we all kind of live and learn and go through it. Um, he's not my personal cup of tea as far as hanging out with him. But as far as, like, covering him and watching him play the game, I think he's great for the sport. Yeah, I, I would agree with you there. Um, however, he might not make the weekend. He's then going to put himself in an interesting FedEx Cup playoff situation. He just made the turn two under on the day, so even total. And as I'm looking at the cut line right now, I have to scroll quite a bit. It's looking like it's going to be three, yeah. yeah. So got some got making some up to do. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's got some work to do. Playoffs are, um, are here, obviously, next week. Tiger committed. Yes, he did. Um, so he was kind of vague in San Francisco about it. You know, every, that's always the last question anybody asks him, right, at the at the media center. You know, when are we going to see you again? And he kind of hinted that he was going to get busy. Um, but his, his schedule obviously has been more limited than normal with just two starts since um, the coronavirus break from the PGA Tour. So tied for 37th last week. Um, but he says he's prepared for the busy for the busy stretch. Um, which could mean three in a row. So you could be seeing a, a lot of Tiger. Yeah, three in a row and then a break, um, mm-hmm. one week off, and then the U.S. Open. So you're looking at four out of the next five weeks, as I understand, if I'm not missing a week off in between. I don't think I am. No, that's correct. Okay. Gosh, I mean, that's a lot of golf. I'll be surprised. I, I'll be honest. I was a little surprised he committed mm-hmm. um, to TPC Boston. I thought he would wait. Um, play the final two if he could and then you know miss the opening week because after the tour championship you know the tour just starts right back up again with Sanderson so um, and then the U.S. Open is the week after that so everything's kind of you know bunched up here as we understand so I'm a little surprised but I am so excited because I mean come on you know Tiger Woods any week I'm in it's going to be fun to see him with some reps, he clearly needs the reps. I mean, I, I just his putting. It's if 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 there's rust, what does rust look like? I think we saw mm-hmm. it with Tiger, you know, at TPC Harding Park. 
um, in particularly with the putter. And that's the only phase of the game for me, Samantha, that that I worry about with Tiger. I think his driver's thing looks great. Uh, I think the question becomes, you know, the putter, and, and can he do enough with the putter? And if he does, of course, he'll be there, which is the case with so many. What are your, What's your take in his game and what we might expect to see? I just think it's interesting as well, what you said about his putting. That's just not something that I... Obviously, I'm a little bit younger, but I so I didn't I don't have all the recollections of him, you know, in his 2000s run and all of that. But it's never something that I've thought of Tiger as struggling with his putter. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So to see that kind of um, although it was just one week, you know, but it was it was kind of magnified, I thought, because people were waiting and waiting and looking forward to seeing him play. And then just missing these putts that were just very untiger like. Um, so I, I'm with you. I hope that even if, even if he knocks off some more rest in TPC Boston, I think it could be good for him, but he, he did make a point in San Francisco to say, you know, somebody asked him, you know, how do, how do we feel about playing so many weeks in a row? And he said that they've been training for that, which obviously they have been, but as you said, training at home versus knocking off reps on the road is very different. Um, so it, it should be, should be exciting to see kind of how he continues to shake off that rust and with the new putter in the bag, will he keep it in the bag? You know, it's just a whole tiger uh, confusion to me right now. So I don't like yeah. seeing him struggle with his putting. So I'm hoping that he'll come back with some yeah. newfound, newfound things. Well, it's interesting with tiger. He's won every way possible when he was younger and in his prime and the best golf that I've ever seen. He was doing everything better than everyone else. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, he was the best driver, the best iron player, the best short game player, the best putter, the best. I mean, he would beat you to a drum, you know, with the A plus game. And then he didn't have to have it all going, and he would still win because of his skill was so great in all of the areas, you know. And then he went through a phase where he kind of lost his driver, right? Mm -hmm. um, and he still won. You know, you think about like when he was with Sean Foley, like he really struggled with his driver and he hit everything predominantly with a fade and he still won five times and got to number one in the world. I mean, he, yeah. couldn't even, he couldn't even hit the shots, all of the shots that he likes to do. And, and, he, and he was breaking down from his body perspective. And now, you know, we see him back and his body is as healthy as it can be i think his driving's gotten better he's still a good iron he's still a good iron player but now his putting you know can he do enough there right and and he's not and not to say even before that he had the short game yips to some degree you know and was still out there competing so he can win so many different ways if i'm i think his putter will be fine i think it's just rust strokes gain or three putt avoidance when you're that down the list that's rust you know you need reps distance control, you start getting all those things back, you start making putts, confidence goes up, Tiger gets in the hunt, he knows how to put guys away. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Um, yeah. I think it'll I think it be exciting um, to see him for as many weeks as a row. We've seen him in over a year, so <laughs> about a year, yeah. right? So it's going to be awesome. It'll Great be job. good from a content perspective, good from a fan perspective, good good for everybody. Absolutely, absolutely. I wonder if Brooks will return his text. You know, Tim, and I, rumor has it, you know, Tiger at one point was texting Brooks to get a practice <laughs> round and, you know, Brooks couldn't get back to that text. So maybe with this little slice of humble pie, Brooks will perhaps respond to a text from Tiger. 
I like it. I like it. I'd like to see it anyway. Let's take a second to talk about the guys and girls over at Encore Golf. Encore has earned a reputation of having the most cutting-edge technology in their golf balls that the industry has seen in quite some time. Their team in Buffalo, New York, is changing the script of golf technology through the perimeter-weighted designs. Use of high-density particles and even a nano-transitional layer in their latest creation, which offers players enhanced accuracy and control for every shot on the course and extreme velocity off the tee. They already have their award-winning Elixir and Avant 55 golf balls, but the new Vero X1 is the highest performance ball to date with their full suit of golf balls. They are transforming the game for players of all skill levels. Visit EncoreGolf.com slash Travis Fulton for more details about their products that are revolutionizing the game. Now back to the Stripe Show podcast. <laughs> so let's let's get into the U.S. amateur debacle. Oh, man. So U.S. Am's being played this week at Bandon Dunes. Beautiful course, obviously. Very well known out in Oregon. Segundo Pinto is his name, I believe. Segundo yes. Oliva Pinto. He is an Arkansas Razorback, Go Hogs, which is where I played as well. Yes. Not that that has literally anything to do with the story, but I thought it was fun. It does. Um, so from my understanding, the match is tied going into 18. Correct me if I'm wrong. And No, that's correct. On the green, near the green, somewhere – uh, Pinto would have had to hit a miraculous shot to win, right, or get or extend the match. But his caddy bent down and was testing the sand. Is that what I'm understanding? Yes. Uh, which then resulted in a loss of a hole, which then resulted in the loss of the match since this was since it was on 18. Thoughts? Well, you know, I tell you, I, I don't know about you, but I don't think I've ever seen anything like that. I watched it live. And when it was happening, I was, I, I was like, I was like, is this real? Mm -hmm. Is this like really happening? And, you know, the caddy was a first year caddy at Bandon Dunes, not a lot of experience. Um, I think what's important to understand the caddy and the player, they didn't, they just met. So they don't even really know each Mm -hmm. other. Um, And the caddy went in there and did put his, I mean, you watch the video, Google it. You can clearly see with hundred percent out of doubt his fingers are in the sand, moving it around, checking probably the depth, the moisture, all those things. And that's illegal. And, and the, and the guy that he was playing against, his father was caddying for the, for the competitor. He saw it, pointed it out. And that's a penalty. I think, you know, there's just, I mean, if we just stop the story there, it's sad, right? I mean, it just really is an unfortunate thing. You feel bad for the player, you know, in particularly and the caddy, but then, you know, the caddy, then denies it right you know i mean he just blatantly denies that he touched the sand which he's clearly lying i mean if you just go look at the video you can see without a doubt his fingers are in the sand moving it around so i just you know i just hate to see that you know he's he's a young guy he's he's probably going to retract and apologize i'm sure in hindsight in handling that situation but I'll tell you what, man alive, I have never seen anything like that uh, before in my life in golf. No, and that's and that's what I was about to say. I don't think there are a lot of golf roles where I'm like, yeah, that's pretty stupid. Dude, that shouldn't exist. Or like, yeah, I wish I could break that one. But that is literally never something I've ever thought about doing. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I remember yeah. back in the day yeah. when you couldn't touch 
um, the hazard. You couldn't touch the hazard with your club. Now you can. The worlds are different, fine, whatever. But I've never thought to reach down and touch the sand, ever. Um, right. So I was very, um, very confused. I was not watching it live. But of course, you know how golf Twitter happens. Of course, everybody's tweeting the same thing at the same time. And all of a sudden, you're like, what is going on? And it's a very sad, very sad way to win a match. Very sad way to lose a match, in my opinion. Um, yeah. So I wouldn't want to win it like that either. But it was obviously you have to call somebody out on on what they did wrong, but I'm with you. My biggest problem with the whole situation as a whole, looking at it from a bird's eye view is that the per is that the guy denied it. Um, just say at that point yeah. I was wrong. I shouldn't have done it, but don't, you can't, you know, lie about it. Yeah. That's my problem with it. Not as much the act of doing yeah. it as, as it was how it went down after, um, even in the inner, in the post round interviews, uh, Pinto said, he didn't say anything. The caddy didn't say anything to him either. Never apologized. Um, so, I mean, wow. that, that's just sad to me. Wow. So, um, very interesting. In case you were wondering yeah. about bending down and picking up sand, maybe don't. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you cannot go in and test the sand with your fingers, a shovel, uh, a five iron, whatever. That is, uh, that is against the rules. And, um, yeah, I mean, the caddy, the player could have not handled right. it any better. The caddy is handling this in a, in a very immature way. And, and you hope that upon reflection, he will come out, apologize to the player first and foremost. But then, you know, also just look, I mean, take some accountability and responsibility where you're doing. It's a bad look. And, and the other side of it, too, Samantha, you know, I'm watching this and it's like, man, the wind was howling. And Bannon Dunes is cool. It looks It looks beautiful. But. It feels a little overhyped to me, Bandon Dunes. I haven't never, I haven't been there and played it, but it, I don't know. It was like, you know, you hear so much about Bandon Dunes and this and that. And I don't know. It didn't really play out all that mm -hmm. exciting for me as I'm watching this match play. Um, I mean, the players, the wind was howling uh, for sure. Uh, and, and man, they were missing tons of short putts. I mean, four or five footers. Like a guy made a putt and it was like, it, it felt, like a celebration was in order. Um, but I don't know. I mean, Bandon, it looks cool, you know, but it's not, not a, not a, not unbelievably over the top. What everybody talks about with Bandon did. Perhaps I need to go and I would have a different opinion. when I Yeah. I'm with you there. I always have a skeptical kind of view of things before I, before I <laughs> experience them myself selfishly. Um, but that I will say the whole caddy situation was, what had most people bent out of shape this week? That was number that one. That was number one. That was probably about half of the responses in our bent out of shape segment here. Yeah. Most of them say, one, one guy said the same thing that we just said. The error is, is forgivable. The lying about it is not. So, I mean, I completely right. agree. But, but some of the other ones, some, some of these are funny, I'll be honest. Some of them have just nothing to do with anything, which is the, my favorite <laughs> part. Because I'm like, did you, did you read the tweet at all? Somebody said courses that use the COVID policy of no rakes in the bunkers as an excuse to forego normal bunker upkeep or maintenance. I mean, I could kind of agree with that. You know, like I've played some courses in the last couple months where the bunkers, then they just don't take care of them at all because people are in them and not raking them. And it is frustrating. Is it just me or during these COVID extra cautions we're all taking, right? And when you go into a a fast food or you go into a restaurant and 
you know, we're, we're taking steps for COVID that when you, you go to the restroom and you wash your hands that there is now more than ever, no paper towels. Um, yeah. And no soap. Yeah. Like not <laughs> like I would start there, you know, if I was owning a restaurant that, that everything is constantly supplied. I can't tell you how many times now I'll go in there, use the restroom, go and nothing like there's nothing like every, everywhere. It's like, can we just restock this? I mean, this is part of the deal. It's also funny to me how, and yes, I know how supply and demand works, but at the beginning you couldn't find a mask. I mean, for anything. And now you go into Nordstrom rack and they're just giving them out. I'm like, okay, that was very high demand like two weeks ago, but now we're just going to give them out and throw them on the ground and we're done. Yeah. You know, what's funny is I never <laughs> thought for my birthday that I would get a mask for my birthday. And my wife gave me an early birthday present and it was a mask with the Seahawk logo on it. And I loved it. And I love it. And, <laughs> and it's like, I got a mask for my birthday and I never thought in 43 years that that would be one of my birthday presents. Hey, well, you got to roll with the punches. A <laughs> uh, cu- couple more things here on bent out of shape. We have, let's see. Somebody said there's only one cart girl at their course. That is very frustrating to work the beer cart. And then I would like to send some thoughts and prayers to Brandon Skelding, who says he has the shanks. So we would like to um, send some thoughts and prayers. And then one last thing was, yeah, the airification week is upon us here in Florida. I don't know if it's the same as up there for y'all, but down here in Orlando, it's yeah. It's about to get pretty ugly for a couple of weeks. So that's sad. Yeah, it is sad. Airification, it, it can be frustrating, right? Because usually the course is like in great shape and then they got to airify it. And sometimes you have to like talk people off the ledge, right? They're like, I can't believe they're airifying again. It's like, well, mm-hmm. but that's like part of the deal of, you know, right. um, maintaining a, a golf course. So, but it can be frustrating. And the shanks, there's nothing cool about any of that. Um there's, Very sad. There's no soap or sanitizer. Sanitizer. <laughs> sanitizer. I like that. Hand sanitizer mask that can that can help that you know. And but I'll tell you this: if you have the shanks, first first and foremost, make sure you're not on your toes. Okay, that's number one. Number two, take your lead arm and tie it to your chest so your hand path stays in going back, and then in close to you coming down. Don't let your hands move away from you. It's interesting you bring up Shank because I left it off of the new program, Faults and Fixes, that just launched today. I did the top 10 faults and a very thorough fix. You can find it on my in my Skillist app. And the Shanks I didn't put on there, but the next wave of five, it will be on there. And those two, there's nothing fun about the Shanks. It's absolutely crippling. It crushes your soul and takes away all of your confidence. And I need to get that out there as soon as possible so we can help our man there. For sure. I, uh, I'll be honest. I zoned out a little bit cause I didn't want to, <laughs> didn't want to kind of osmosis the shanks into my game. So I was listening kind of, but, um, <laughs> anyway, the last thing we had today is our fun fact of the week. We have Sam Snead won the Wyndham championship eight times. Thought that was cool. And then, on this day, August 14th in 2016, Justin Rose won the first Olympic gold medal in golf in 112 years. Mm-hmm. So four years ago. Yes. And, uh, of course, then moved past. And like 
has been moved to next year. And like mm-hmm. Brooks Kepka, who right now, little update, is three over par. Justin Rose is one over par and looking to miss the cut. I worry about Justin Rose now that you bring him up. And I have been, and I've been talking about him on the podcast on Mondays and uh, just exactly where he's going. But the good news is Samantha Tom Hoagie is up there at 10 under and our boy Roger Sloan's at eight. But they're going to finish second to Harris English, as we talked about earlier, as Harris will win. And we will win money, and there will be drinks for everybody on Friday. I would like to consider that as a signed and dated promise. Um, (laughs) So I love that for us. Absolutely. Well, great show. Be sure to check out the new Stripe Show podcast on Twitter. It's out there. we got all kinds of cool stuff coming that way. We get so many funny swings sent to us. We do a 10-15 tea time on Tuesday on Instagram. We get so much funny stuff that we just want to start sharing it now in the Stripe Show podcast Twitter account as well. Because you know what? Striping it? Striping it can, it can mean different things to, to different people. But no matter what, it doesn't mean hitting it off the hosel because that is not striping it at all. So on that note, go check it out. Samantha, thank you for uh, the show today. Have a great day at Golf Channel and through the weekend. And, Sounds uh, good. Happy I'll early see birthday. You same time next week. As the eight game regular season is coming to an end, teams are still jockeying for the final few playoff spots. And while the players are bringing the action on the course, DraftKings, the leader in one day fantasy sports, is bringing the action to you with huge daily fantasy contests every day. DraftKings has paid out over $7 billion to its players, so they know a thing or two about a big payday. If you haven't tried it yet, fantasy basketball is easy to play. Just pick a player, stand to the salary cap, and pile up points for three-pointers, rebounds, assists, and more. There's no better way to put your basketball knowledge to the test than to compete for a share of millions of dollars. In addition to this week's basketball action, there is a huge MMA contest this weekend with some of the sport's biggest names stepping into the spotlight. To celebrate this huge event, DraftKings is giving new users a free shot at $1 million in total prizes. Download the DraftKings app now and use the promo code Travis to get a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes for this week's Daily Fantasy Contest. That's promo code Travis to get a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details.